Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, hello, hello, hello. I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. Now, today I get a chance to sit down and understand a, a little bit more about this combination of being a woman along with... Um, the mindset of being a fundamental, uh, along with the, the mindset of fundamental Muslim views on women. As I was reading up to prepare for today's show, I found out that life can be rather difficult for my fellow women of fundamental Muslim faith. In countries like Afghanistan, 87% of females are illiterate and 70 to 80% face forced marriages. In Pakistan, about a thousand women are victims of honor killings and 90% of women experience domestic violence. In countries such as Somalia, 95% of women face genital mutilation. My guest today understands all too well the plight of these women. Layla LCC was born in Alexandria, Egypt to an upper class family and was one of six children. Her father was an architect and and an observant Muslim. As a teenager, Layla hoped to pursue a career in journalism. However, she and her older sister were promised to older men in arranged marriages at a young age. Through perseverance and fortitude, the two sisters escaped the abusers and fled the country of their birth. And I want to thank Layla for making time to talk to me today and learn me a few things. Uh, and I extend her a big welcome. Layla, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Hi, Lana. Thank you so much. For inviting me. It's a pleasure to be talking with you. My pleasure, my pleasure. I have a feeling I, I think I'm going to learn a lot today, and so I'm looking forward to spending this time with you um, today. So thank you so much for being here with me. Now, I want to kind of jump right in and get started because I've I found now, and after doing these interviews, my time flies so fast, so I need to get in here and get started. Um, but, uh, Layla, you were born in Alexandria, Egypt, and raised in yes. a Muslim, and, and raised in a Muslim family. So, you know, for us, uh, you know, me being an American female, you know, you can kind of get jaded and, you know, how you grew up and how, you know, you just think that that's how it is for everybody. But growing up uh, as a young girl in a Muslim family, what what does that look like for you as far as education, marriage? Um, can women own their own property? Or, I mean, how, how, is, how does it all play out to be a female uh, in the Muslim faith? Um, okay, in Egypt, it's not. Uh, as it is in Afghanistan or Somal or Somalia or, or any other of um, the countries that you have mentioned in the beginning. Okay. Egypt, um, we, women in Egypt, um, they are better in education and in freedom and more so right now than it was um, before. So as a as a girl growing up in the 60s, I was raised in a Catholic French school. Mm-hmm. So we were, my sister and I and my brothers and other sisters, we were exposed to this kind of uh, atmosphere and environment where there is liberal girls, there is girls from France, from Italy, from Greek, from uh, uh, Greece, from um, uh, Israel. And then you go home. And you are faced with this kind of draconian father who um, <laughs> insists on raising us with the Muslim tradition, culture, and heritage. So it was a big struggle for us to um, um, to get away from this, but we managed to do that. 
Um, my father, he really wanted us to get married at a young age because he really believed that no matter how much education a girl gets, at the end she will be married. So why not get married young and just get over with it? Now, yeah. were your were your own parents? Was your mother married to your father at a young age? Yes, but the funny thing is that they were in love. <laughs> they fell in love, but he wouldn't allow this for my sister and I. So it's uh, it's really interesting. Oh wow, that is interesting. Uh, just out of curiosity, was your father always a Muslim, or is that something he transitioned into later in life, or where did this philosophy come for him? No, he was always the same. I mean, you have this culture and tradition that we are right now, women in Egypt are fighting. We are fighting the Salafis idea, the Salafis culture that we uh, are facing right now. And um, during the 60s and, and during the 80s and 70s, Egypt was going through an economic um a slow down as you as you can say so there is a lot of there were a lot of egyptian who fled and went to the gulf countries mostly to saudi arabia and okay. in saudi arabia they learned the wahhabi the extremist view of islam and they imported that in egypt okay. so before before the 70s you could hardly see any girls in the streets wearing hijab but when you go to egypt right now Almost all girls in school are wearing hijab. It became a culture that it's, we are fighting right now. A lot of women in Egypt are fighting to liberate themselves from this kind of tradition and heritage that we inherited from the Gulf countries. Okay. Now you say women are, are fighting now. Um, so can I assume that Egypt, uh, when you were growing up, is, is no better today than it was back then? Well, in the 60s, Egypt was, um, yeah, it was not as bad, it, uh, unfortunately. But when I was growing up, uh, in, uh, at that time, I thought it was bad. But right now, it's even worse. But uh, thanks to the new government um, headed by President el-Sisi, he gave women a lot of freedom. He, um, in the parliament election, uh, we we had 75 women out of a possible 568 seats in the new House of, of Representatives. And women's representation increased after uh, LCC took uh, the office and he appointed 14 female members. The 89 female members in the parliament make up 14.9% of available seats. Which is is considered a giant leap in women's representation. And we will see how women will manage to advance the protection and equality of women right now in the parliament. We are waiting. We're waiting. So, um, in Egypt now, um, young girls, are are they still being subjected to things such as um, arranged marriages? Yes. Um, You see, parents assume the role of legal guardians always in, mm-hmm. in Muslim culture. And they can decide to arrange a marriage and sign the legal papers. And many women in Egypt are married without their consent, often before they become adults. 
And it is still common for much of the Arab Muslim countries that a marriage contract are signed by the father of the bride, even if the bride is of legal age. Um, is not of legal age. So he negotiates the terms of the contract without her involvement at all. Mm. This is how it is. Yeah. Okay. So explain this to me because, like I said, some of it is, is very new to me. It's not a world that I'm, I'm familiar with. So you were um, subjected to arranged marriage uh, in your life. So your mom and dad, do they just walk into your bedroom one day and say, okay, Layla, you know, next week, you know, you're going to be so-and-so's husband. I mean, how does that all work out for you? How does it play out? Believe it or not, and all this is explained in details in my book, Out from the Shadow of Men. Okay. But I was, it was um, uh, the end of the school year and the first day of summer, and uh, we went to the beach and came back home. You two will be married next week. Oh, my. So, so you can imagine as a young girl you are sitting, you don't know to who, you have <laughs> no idea that this is coming on you. And I, I almost fainted in my seat, you know, sitting and watching. But we could not say no to him. He was the God on earth. Like he was the man that we all feared. We had to listen to him. We couldn't say no. So we decided, you know, okay, if we cannot say no, then let's get the, the contract signed and then we can find our way to freedom after that. We were thinking like young girls, but uh, but we succeeded. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, did you before he announced this though? Did you know that was going to be your fate, or or did you actually did you think that you were going to fall in love and marry somebody, or did you always know in the back of your mind that this was going to be your your direction as far as marriage was going, that you were going to be arranged? Mm. No, I, I didn't. I was doing very well in school and he was always praising me how good I am. Yet my young, my older sister hated school. Uh, unlike me, she didn't want to finish school, but I was very, doing very well. And the summer before that, I had met this young Lebanese guy who really, I thought that we were in love and all this. And you can read the story uh, uh-huh. in, in the book. And uh, no, I had no idea whatsoever. I didn't know what marriage was. I didn't know uh, that uh, uh, my father will uh, have a contract and it's um, um, uh, betrothal before we are uh, going through the wedding. I had no idea about all this. It was all new to me so and to my sister, but um, it was a struggle. Really, we, were, we struggled a lot. Oh, wow. So I've heard you mention a few times uh, this word contract. So exactly, so is the father benefiting from giving his daughters away to a man in marriage? What is this contract about? Yeah, you see, when you have a poor family and uh, this old man comes and uh, he gives a lot of money to the poor family, yes, they do benefit. But in our case, it was not like that. We didn't need the money. My father didn't benefit. It was just the culture that he had girls and he wanted them to get married and he didn't care whether they want to, this man or not. It was his decision and we had to follow. And Egyptian marriage contracts, they contain conditions okay. for uh, providing certain rights for a woman. 
um, uh, you know, when, but, but women are not informed about their rights. I, mm. I didn't know anything about it at that day. And uh, I couldn't negotiate. Um, and I couldn't say what I want, what I didn't want. It was all my father. Everything he decided. Mm. And I just have to go and move to this man's house and, and be married to him. Okay. So you have never, ever seen your contract? No. Believe no. it or not, until today. <laughs> no. yeah. And you okay. know, when when I got my divorce, I left everything. I left, you know, like um, uh, in in the Muslim world, the father uh, prepares the, the trousseau, like he he uh, arranged for the furniture and for the clothes and everything. So I ran away before I even moved to to, to my husband's uh, house. I left everything, everything, my wedding dress, everything I left behind. It was my freedom was all I wanted yes. from life. How, how, how much older was your uh, husband than you? Uh, he was, um, I was 14, he was uh, 34, I believe, yeah, yeah. yeah. As a, as a, I mean, you know, and like I said, you know, I'm looking at this from American culture, so I, I really probably need to get out of that mindset. But it just seems hard as a parent to marry your 14 year old daughter to a 30 something year old man. No, for them, it happens a lot, and it used mm-hmm. to happen in the tribal um, kind of desert life. Okay. Uh, and for them. But the Muslim world is not that um, like a surprise for a girl okay. to be that young to marry. Um, the legal age is uh, 16 for the girl and 18 for the the, the boy. But they still marry girls, uh, you know, at nine or eight. And when we had the Muslim Brotherhood running Egypt for one year before this recent president. They actually put a law in the Constitution that um, gets the girl to be married to at age nine to a man, and there is no limit to his age. He could be mm. 90 years old, and it was okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, But now we are trying to fight that. We okay. are really trying to fight that in Egypt. Good, good stuff. Okay, Leila, we're, it's time for our first commercial break. Stay with me. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Today I am hanging out with the author of the book, Out of the Shadow of Men, uh, Mrs. Layla LCC. And before we went to commercial, uh, she was telling us about uh, her father had set up an arranged marriage, had the contract, and, uh, you know, she was a little headstrong and said that wasn't for her. And, uh, uh, Layla, I, w- I was just wondering, uh, this man, this older man, were you the only wife that he had? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And believe it or not, when when I ran away from Egypt, he didn't marry after me until he died recently. He, oh. he he didn't marry anybody. The problem was not him. The problem was me 
that I wanted to choose the man I marry and I wanted to make the decision and I wanted to go to school and I wanted so many things and I felt that nobody, not even my father, have the right to take this away from me. Yes, okay. All righty. Where do you think, do you think the fact that your father allowed you to go to school with other thought uh, processes that made you so headstrong and knew that you wanted something else? Or where did this desire that there, there's, there's got to be something different for me out there come from, you think? It's all together. Uh, I mean, the desire and the, and the environment I was in school uh, with my friends, I could see how liberated they are. They could go here and there. But we couldn't go. We had to use the bus, and my father had to come and pick us up, and we were completely sheltered. But our mind was not sheltered. Our mind was open. And um, uh, we used all the knowledge that we have. And I also had a very strong sister who was a risk taker. And she um, protected me, and she guided me. And up until the last day, she passed away. Okay. Yeah, I think I was reading. You said that your sister um, took a, a lot of the abuse for you. I, I think if I yes. read it correctly, your your brother was abusive. And even that is interesting in itself because you're thinking in a family environment, the parents would stop it some sort of way if they knew. But your your brother was allowed to continue this abuse of his sisters? Yes, Lana. In, in most of the Egyptian or Muslim society, the boy is in the family is born with this right. Like mm. it's automatically given to him that he takes the role of the father when the, when the father is at work. So my brother was very abusive and you can imagine when a young boy is given the right to control his sister. He will do it with abusive way and we hated him for that. But uh, most of the um, Muslim families, they have this kind of brother. Like even the, the mom, they accept that. I mean, they tell the girl, get up and iron the shirt for your brother. Get up and get him a coffee. Get up and do this for him. So the boy, even he grows up and he marries a girl. And if a girl doesn't do that to her, to him, for him, he will beat her up because this is the way he was raised with, he was brought up with, he learned in in his uh, family structure that he is uh, godlike uh, on earth, mm -hmm. you know, and everybody has to hand him everything in a golden platter. So mm -hmm. we didn't accept that, and my sister really helped me. She helped me a lot, and if you go through the book, you will be living with us in that family, inside the house with my mom and my sister, and my brother to see an example of what girl goes through in the Middle East, in the Muslim family, in an Arab family. Mm -hmm. So and in Egypt is a lot less than in Saudi Arabia, than okay. in Afghanistan, in Iran. I mean, I see some some people tell me, oh, Iranian women have freedom. What kind of freedom <laughs> they are talking about when they have no right to take that veil of their face? Yes, yes. You know, it's like a veil. They put the veil to cover their brain. You mm -hmm. are covering your brain with that veil. Now, you know, are there a, a large portion of um, 
Muslim women who, um, and, and I guess we should make the distinction because not all Muslims are like this, but Muslim women who don't feel there's anything wrong with the lifestyle that they're subjected to? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They are so brainwashed mm-hmm. that they really believe that they have to cover themselves, that they are the reason for the man if he attacks, if he assaults them sexually because they shouldn't be wearing anything to make the man lose his uh, control and that uh, God ordered, uh, ordered us to be good to men and that we will be, if the man is abusive, God will reward us in paradise. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really embedded in their brain that this is the way they should be. They take abuse and God is going to reward them in the afterlife. And, um, and, and and I want to be clear because even like with Christianity, you know, you've got the far left and the far right. You know, not all Muslims uh, subscribe to this philosophy, correct? No, no. Especially okay. now, women are trying to liberate themselves from this kind of uh, abuse, actually. But there is a lot also who don't want that. They mm-hmm. want the way to be the way it is. They want to uh, be submissive to men. And to have men control them and listen to him, no matter how abusive he is. There is this kind of women, okay. which I don't no, understand. Don't understand. Well, you know, they didn't, they didn't get exposed to the variety of options that they have. And um, I guess, you know, uh, growing up, you know, it, it's, it's the same thing with abused children or, you know, you grow up and thinking yeah. this is all that there is and that's, that's what's normal and, and um, that's what you think is, is your fate in life. Now, I want to go back yeah. to your... Go ahead, dear. You know, they get this idea from a book that was written um, uh, like 200 years after the prophet died. And in this book, nobody knows who wrote those books. And in those books, you can see women um, um, mistreated and they should be submissive and all this. And all these women, including my sister, when I asked her, have you read those books? She goes, no. I said, why do you follow what they tell you, those people? Why don't you educate yourself? Most of these women who are doing this to themselves, they never read the Quran. They never read the, the Hadith books. They mm-hmm. never read anything history. They are just followers of what they see on TV and what they hear in the mosque. Oh, wow. Okay. So... um in Egypt, um, and you said Egypt is, is a lot better than other uh, countries. Are women um, afforded the luxury of education um, abundantly in Egypt? Yes, but we okay. have a big portion of poverty. Like they cannot even afford to go to school. What I mean by Egypt is better. We don't have um, women being um, uh, put in a, in a hole in the ground and stoned okay. to death. Okay. We don't have women who are uh, shot in the head because she had a boyfriend. We don't have this that you see in Afghanistan or in Iran, how they treat women who have a boyfriend or... No, we don't have that. Okay. That's now, I was re- yeah. Okay. I was reading on your website uh, something about uh, with your first, first husband. He had an order from the court where he could lock you up in a three-by-three three cell if yes, he wanted yes. to. How, how yes. does that? How does, how does it, you know, I'm sorry. How does that happen? Yes, but this is true. But um, 
it's, it's no longer uh, valid, this kind of law, but it was back then when I ran away, and I didn't know that. I found um, uh, one, you know, a man from the court coming to hand me a piece of paper. He said that you are to come and live with your husband uh, by force in a, you know, and I said, why? He said, that's the law. He got a court order to take you. And um, at that time, you can really bribe the guy and tell him that he didn't find me when he came or something. But uh, I used to have that piece of paper, and I wanted to put it on Facebook, but I don't know where I put it. <laughs> so, Layla, did you have a chance to say, okay, I get my day in court, and no, I want to fight this, or you just there was no opportunity no. for you to speak your piece? No, I I didn't go, and my aunt helped me because I lived with my aunt. And my brother actually came one day, and he said that, oh, you know, uh, my father said that I could take your life. He was threatening me. I don't think he meant that, Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't come with me. But I didn't go with him. Then he punched me in the the face, Mm. and my front tooth broke. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) my goodness. Go back, yeah. Yeah, and then my husband at one point, uh, when I didn't want to divorce him, he threatened to uh, throw on my face uh, acid water. And I don't think he would do it, but he threatened. Oh, he wow. threatened to do that. It's like domination. They yes. want to dominate a woman. Like, how dare you say no? How dare you left me? How oh. dare you don't listen to your father? And at that time, I just said, yes, I can dare. I can do that. I don't want that man, and I'm not going to live with him. Mm-hmm. And I suffered, but but the, the taste of uh, winning and the taste of freedom is so sweet at the end. Yes, yes. So when you decided not, you were not going to um, go to your husband's house, you, did you, you went to an aunt's house first? Is that what I hear? Uh the day for my wedding, I was already his wife. Okay. Because you get betrothed and you write a contract and you are legally the wife. Okay. But I stayed at my father's home until the day of the wedding and before um, in the car, my brother, and all this is explained in my book. Okay. My brother helped me to run away and go and live with my aunt. And this is when my ordeal started. Okay. My father, yeah, told my mother, if you go to see her, you will be divorced. So I couldn't see my mother. Mm. You know, when I left Egypt, I didn't see my mother. And when I went the first time, my mother was dead. Oh, my. Oh, wow. And this is in the, in, I am writing a sequel to the story. Because the first book right now also is being translated in Egypt, and okay. it's going to be in a TV series. Congrats! Uh, because it touches it touches the lives of so many girls, not only in Egypt but all the Arab world, in India, in China. I, when I read in bookstores, I see girls from India coming, and they say, "Please, can I have five copies? I want to send my sisters," because this sounds like me. abusing young girls and forcing them into marriage it's not only a problem of Muslims it's a problem of so many girls all over the world and I'm so happy that I can um, help other girls to see the light and say yes I can if she could then I can too 
Awesome, awesome. Layla, hang in there. We're going to take another commercial break. We'll be right back right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. Don't box me in. Today I'm hanging out with the author of the book, Out of the Shadow of Men, Miss Layla LCC, and she's been telling us about her time as a young girl uh, in Egypt and her arranged marriage and, and some of that lifestyle. Now, Layla, I want to ask, um, you know, after you decided you, you know, the this arranged marriage was not for you and you ran off. Um, you, you ran to some other countries after, I think, Europe and then Canada and finally you yeah. ended up in the United States. Um, I'm wondering, as a uh, Muslim female who has now divorced her husband, when you encountered other Muslims in your travels, were you treated differently or looked down upon or was it a difficult time to uh, interact with other Muslims who shared yeah, face, maybe like your father? Of course, when you are divorced in, in, in Egypt or in any Muslim country, you are stigmatized. I mean, you are, uh, something is wrong with you. It's never the man's fault. You are divorced, that means you are bad, you have done something wrong, and that's why you are divorced. So it, it was, yeah. I only felt like I'm a human being when I left Egypt, to be honest. Okay. When I left the Arab world altogether. You feel like you are somebody, you are a human being that needs to be respected and needs to be listened to. You know, when I was going through the divorce at that time, there I had trouble. But after, in the year 2000, there was a new uh, form of no-fault divorce was introduced, and it's called Khola. Khola, and that means a woman has the right to go to court and just say, I want to divorce him, and she will get what she wants. But, and the first day that law was introduced, I heard that there was like 40,000 women in Cairo alone in one court lined up to get their divorce. But when you divorce this way, you have to relinquish all your rights. So when you are rich, it's okay if if you relinquish your rights. But when you are poor... And the majority of women who went to divorce this way were poor. But the man was so abusive, so cruel, that they went and they just wanted to be divorced. But they are left with no child support, with no um, uh, support for the wife, nothing. So there is something in the social laws regarding women that needs a fundamental changing that we need to change something. We need, I mean, I know that I will have a lot of problem when my book will be published in Egypt because I will have so many who will question uh, because in the book I say uh, why God gave the right to men and didn't give the right to women. And I could be in trouble in Egypt for saying that. And I could even go to jail or maybe shot dead because of this. Mm. So um, I don't know when, if in my time, this will change, or maybe 100 years from now, God knows. But women are still uh, not free, even though they are in the parliament. 
and they, we don't have a CEO yet of a company. So. <laughs> We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Now, um, you, you mentioned before we went to commercial break that by the time you went back home to Egypt, your mother had passed. Um, I'm wondering, your relationship with your, your siblings and your father, uh, how is that today? It's very good now. My sister and my older brother and my younger brother just passed away in Switzerland. So many, I only have one sister and one brother left and we are very, very close. I mean, very, and my brother now, he doesn't have this mentality. And when I go to Alexandria, he respects the way I am, the freedom I am moving around with. But yet my sister, my sister, my youngest sister is very much, uh, she wears a veil. She never wore a veil before. And when I go there, she keeps telling me, Lila, you know, don't go out like that. Put put a, a scarf over your head, you know. <laughs> I said, no, this is, yeah, she uh, But, uh, no, it's different. It's different, but still, um, still is, I, I'm not happy. I want to see all women free. I want to see all young girls in school getting educated because this is the only way education will liberate women. As long as we have this big segment of women, this huge lot of women uneducated, women will always remain submissive to men and relying on him uh, for food, for shelter, for support, for everything. So in Egypt... um is there a large pool of jobs for women? I mean, can women sustain themselves and go get their own apartment? Or is it really just designed for you to find a man and just depend on him? Believe it or not, I met girls who are uh, recently been uh, college educated, and okay. they are still have this mentality in the head, oh, I want to marry a rich man. Oh. Uh, so I can stay home. This okay. mentality is still in the gene. Okay. But I also met other girls who say, no, we don't want a man who would support us. We want a man who will be uh, treating us as equal. But the majority are still relying on men. Still. Okay. okay. Now, I'm curious, the, the Egyptian revolution, Do you what year was that? Or when? Uh, that's recent, 2010. <laughs> to 2010. Okay, so yeah, 2010. so we, we got six years. So and and we see you've got the women in parliament now. What other changes have you noticed or heard since then? The changes. There is a lot of changes. I see <laughs> women, more women in the parliament, as I said, mm-hmm. and. Um, there is severe criminalization of sexual harassment, which okay. was not present before. Okay. I mean, uh, if somebody is harassing a woman, he is criminalized. Okay. And there is a strong NGO movement against this. And um, uh, what else? Um, um, uh, there is a big movement now to move or to outlaw wearing the niqab you know niqab is the the complete cover that women wear only with their eyes showing oh yes uh huh mm-hmm. so they want to take that and um, 
and they want to ban it completely. This is a big, huge leap for liberating women, which I'm very, very happy for that. But I tell you still, still we have a long way to go. A long way to go. So things like uh, arranged marriage, those are not against the law? It is against the law, but it is practiced. Okay. Widely practiced, especially in the rural area where the poor people live. And this is what the new president, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, is trying to do right now. He is trying to elevate the status of those poor people. He wants them educated. He wants them to be living in um, uh, decent uh, uh, places so they can not feel uh, they are outside of the society uh, 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 at all. He's trying, but it's, we are 92 million in Egypt, you know, yes. and Egypt right now is fighting terrorism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see Egypt is surrounded by terrorism for coming from Libya, from uh, Gaza, from uh, Iraq, from everywhere. So it's a huge job, and and women are the greatest supporter of this revolution. They are really strong. And they do a lot to keep Egypt safe and to keep women advancing during this hard time for Egypt. Now, one of the most uh, difficult things to hear about uh, when it comes to women advancing in, in this particular faith is this, this um, practice of genital mutilation. Is, is that oh, still yeah. prevalent in Egypt or is that against the law? No. Okay. There is a law that prohibits there and criminalize that. But you have to understand that it is women in general who push the girls to go through that because they believe it is part of religion. But it's not. It's a culture. It's not part of religion. There is nothing in the book, the Quran, that says that girls should be mutilated this way. And and in Egypt they do it, but now recently, maybe I believe it was last year, and this also happened during this president. There was a doctor who performed this kind of genital mutilation on a young girl, and the girl bled to death. Mm. So he was his clinic was closed down, and he was prohibited from practicing again. And he became now the example. So every doctor or every man who practiced that with a blade, you know, chopping this, the girl and mutilating her genital area will think twice because now they are criminalizing that and they are going after that. But it still happens. We need to educate women. We need to tell them that this is not part of religion. When you see how they do that in in Africa, they are not, they are the poor girls. Mm-hmm. You see mm-hmm. how it's done, it just makes your, your, uh, you make you shiver how yes. they do that. And it is always a man who performs that, how sick they are. Mm-hmm. What can, how can they enjoy being with a woman uh, that uh, they only, you know, she has a hole and they just, sew it again every time they want to practice so they can feel that she is virgin again. Can you believe this? Yes. Yes. It, you know, it, it is very, it turns your stomach to watch. I, I have uh, unfortunately seen uh, that happen uh, 
on TV a couple of times. It's just, just, it's very uncomfortable. And, and the mindset that you have to be in to think that this is okay to do this to a, a female, I, I, I just can't put myself in that place to, um. I am, I really have to thank my dad. Not now he is in another world, but I really want to thank him for being so strict, but he never really did that to us. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so, you know, we'll let him off the hook on some things there. Okay, Dash. (laughs) Okay, Layla, we're going to take the last break of the day. Stay with me. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back to Don't Box Skin. Like they said, I'm Donna Reed, and today I'm hanging out with Lila LCC. She has written a book, Out of the Shadow of Men, and has been sharing uh, her story with us today. Now, Lila, uh, it took you a minute okay. to actually uh, put this book together. When did you start writing it? Oh, that was, um, wow, maybe eight years ago. Oh. Eight years ago. And I wrote it, I wrote it all like in a few months. I put it <laughs> all together because, uh, since I left Egypt, I kind of disconnected myself from the past completely. Okay. And okay. when I took the pen and I started to write this book, it was very emotional for me and for my writer's friends. We, I cried a lot and they cried a lot when I was writing because I really all the moments that I have, you know, I have been through uh, until I got my divorce. It was very painful. And until now, I, uh, when I read it, I feel very emotional. Okay. Okay. How do you feel when you run into women who are still very um, strong believers of, of the, that particular part of the Muslim faith? I mean, do you have angry dialogue with them or I mean what is it what is it like to run into women who who say there's nothing wrong with how we live yeah there is okay I do meet women who um, kind of come across very strong and I don't like to argue with them because Lana when you believe in something uh, that is coming from religion belief religious belief it's so hard to convince the other person of your point of view because they see you as the evil one, that mm-hmm. you are evil and you are trying to, you don't believe in God's words, and because they don't understand the religion the way it should be understood. Um, uh, they probably, most of them, never read the book, don't understand the history, why things were written, at that time, when when women were fighting with the prophet in the desert, in the heat, and they were going up and down on the horses, uh, the the prophet uh, asked them to just cover the cleavage, so that men will pay attention to war, not to get excited seeing them. He never said to cover the head. He never said to cover the face. But uh, there is so many men coming from. Uh, the Wahhabis and Salafis are coming with so many things. If a woman uh, looks at a man, uh, then uh, she is uh, committing blasphemy and she should be 
uh, shot to death or some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think when I, I talk to them, it's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. I think, you know, some luxuries, you know, that I take for granted, you know, me being a businesswoman, one of the things I do, I do a lot of meetings, you know, I go in and, you know, shake people's hand, you know, you give them a smile, but even something as small and innocent as shaking a man's hand and, you know, smiling and greeting, that's frowned upon for some Muslims. I will tell you something, like so many years after I left Egypt, my father, when in his old age, he asked to come and visit me here in the United States. So my sister said, Laila, let him come and forgive him. So I invited him over. So I was working at that time, and he was sitting and saw me dressed up and going out. And he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to work. And he said, you going alone? I said, yes, and your husband? I said, no, he's not coming with me. And he said, and you go and stay in a room with a man alone? I said, yes. And he said, and he, and he turned to my husband and he said, how can you allow her to do that? The devil will be between them. You have oh, wow. to stop her. For, yeah, he was, I think now, I never knew before that my father had Salafis, the extremist Islam in his head. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, you can't go anywhere without company. That's another, <laughs> yeah, a, female, a female cannot go anywhere unattended. You know, the devil will sneak yeah. in. I mean, I guess, you know, yes. But uh, it's hard, it's hard. It's hard to convince them that I can sit in a room and talk to a man without him looking at me as a piece of uh, meat for sex or me looking at him for that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, and like I said, you know, it's hard when somebody is so rooted in their religion to even get them to see another way. So, I mean... um, It's hard, Lana. It's very hard, including my sister. I mean, mm-hmm. when I try to talk to her, she is completely shut. Like, mm-hmm. she looks at me and she goes, may God put peace in your heart so you can oh. see the light. So oh, wow. I am the crazy <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, has, is your sister married now? Uh, her husband passed away, but uh, she still believes, you know. Also, you have to understand that in Egypt, the culture forces you to behave this way. If okay. you don't behave this way like my sister, you will be considered like uh, uh, wild and uh, they don't respect you and they don't look at you like you are a sane woman or something like that. Now, um, now that Egypt is going through some changes and, you know, women are, are, are trying to fight the fight and, and get things better socially for women, do you ever have that small thought in the back of your head, like maybe I'll go home and fight the good fight with the rest of my ladies? Yeah, when I go there, I do. I do go, <laughs> and I'm very active on Facebook. And I, I just, I was there in March. And I know that by the end of this year, when my book will come out, this is when my struggle will come. A different okay. kind of struggle. A struggle of Lila, the strong woman who is going back then to stand by women and to, um, uh, to empower other women with my book, hopefully. And I have to have bodyguards, I tell you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Goodness gracious. Yeah. <laughs> so how does your husband, your husband now feel about all of this stuff, the one who doesn't have to escort you to your job and everything? Yeah, he's very supportive. And I have two sons who are completely supportive, 100%. And I raise them, you know, to respect women 
and to see women as partners, not as somebody submissive to them. And that's how they behave with women now, which I'm very, very happy. It's an achievement I did for my son, and they will always uh, remember me with that. And it's enough for me when they stand like this and tell their friends, what you see here is my mom's work. So they Mm -hmm. are proud of who they are now, and I'm proud of them. I love them dearly. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Now, before we go, um, I, I, you know, a lot of us are outsiders looking in. And if you could uh, say one thing or give one message for uh, the outsiders looking in, when it comes to women and the Muslim faith and culture, I mean, what would you like for us to understand or leave us with or, you know, to allow us to help in the battle that we can any way we can? I wish in Egypt they would um, educate all young girls, and I wish women in Egypt or girls, they don't follow anybody or let themselves be forced into marriage. They, they can struggle, and they can refuse, and they can suffer, but at the end, they will feel proud of themselves, and they will feel much better than... Um, uh, you know, uh, living with a, with a man uh, who is abusive or who they don't uh, choose or they don't want or he's older than them. They have to believe that there is always a way, a way, and that way starts with education. Okay. Education. Um, you know, some of the things, the, the concept of there's something better out there I'm thinking if they're exposed to some things, you know, like social media or maybe some TV shows. Do young girls, is that common in um, Egypt to have access to, your, you know, your Facebooks and your Twitters and your... Oh, yeah. You know, okay. Okay. Because I was thinking yeah. they, would get, they would get the idea like, wait a minute, there's something else out here for me than, you know, what I'm growing up with here. I know. I, and all my friend, even my sister, she tells me, oh, Laila, you are very revolutionary. I said, yes, that's what I want to be remembered. <laughs> awesome. Lala, where do we pick up the uh, a copy of the book? How do we get a copy of Out of the Shadow of Men? It's on Amazon and also on my website, lailalcc.com. It's L-A-I-L-A-E-L-S-I-S-S-I.com. And, uh, you know, they can buy it from uh, Amazon as well. Okay. And... Um, and the, the Arabic translation is going to be available for the people who are listening and like to read in Arabic. It's going to be available by September or maybe in uh, October. And I will be in Egypt book signing and uh, probably signing the deal to have it in a TV series. And right now I am writing the sequel. I'm almost done with it. Laila after she left e- Egypt. Awesome, awesome. I've had a wonderful time with you today. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you, Lana. It was, uh, it was fun and a pleasure <laughs> to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my guest today has been uh, Lila LCC. Please visit her website, L-A-I-L-A-E-L-S-I-S-S-I.com. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I'll see you all next week. <laughs>